Oh, sometimes they just shut me down with the music. Uh, so if there's any kids left in here uh, or any adults who want to go hang out with the kids, um, uh, head on out. We, we forgot that transitional point. Sometimes when we have a video announcement like we did from, um, that's campus-wide, uh, I sometimes forget, oh, we got to make sure we get the kids dismissed. Uh, just one clarification on the video. Again, we're, we're trying to do videos from time to time to kind of carry the, all three of the campuses that we have. So sometimes things aren't lined up perfectly, and so uh, we're a little ahead of the game when it comes to the home group, small group thing. <laughs> well, it's just the way we are. Um, so I told Kevin, I said, well, you guys, you guys are just going to be starting your home groups. We've already got our small groups going. Uh, and so we're calling small groups up here. We're not doing home groups just yet, uh, though that could um, become that. We could be expanding that. So what we're doing is, um, man, I tell you, these music people, they're just, they've got trash all over. <laughs> Let the custodian get that. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, so what we decided to do is when we started 2020, we were going to break into, on Thursday nights, 7 o'clock, break into small groups, a men's small group and a women's small group. And the women's small group isn't really small. Uh, they've got like almost 30 ladies um, attending it. But we thought we'd do something a little different and then kind of gauge to see how people are enjoying uh, the small group setting. So we've got a men's thing, and we're uh, learning, doing hands-on Bible study, learning how to study the Bible while studying the Bible, which is kind of an interesting concept, uh, going through Ephesians. And then ladies are going through a study called Choosing Forgiveness. And so we encourage you to come to that. We doubled our, our numbers from how we were doing Bible study in a large group. And when we went into, into small groups, it actually doubled our numbers. I only say that to say, uh, way to go, Grace Point, because you understand the importance of not just coming on Sunday morning and being a part of our church family that way and encouraging and serving and, and doing all that, but to being in God's Word in the week, learning how to study God's Word, knowing God's Word, as I say, um, and that's part of you know, why God has designed the church and has the church the way it is. And really, what I'm going to be talking about today, uh, a big portion of what I'm going to be talking about today, one of the greatest truths that's ro um, woven through the Bible is that your past doesn't have to define you. And that's really what this series that we're talking about um, is about. We've got... Uh, Last week we talked about the fact that, um, that God has freed us from our past sins and our past regrets, past unwise choices, past uh, circumstances that are beyond our control. Whatever, whatever we look back on our past and we, we carry a sense of regret for, God has freed us from that. When, when Christ died on a cross and we, we turned to Him for salvation, we asked Him to forgive our sins. And so we looked at Psalm 103 where talks about this incredible God that we have who uh, was willing to forgive our sins. He didn't hold our sins against us, and He forgave our sins, and forgiving our sins, He did that in, in an infinite way. As far as the east is from the west, uh, He took our sins and removed them from us. So we, we shouldn't be looking back for them. We shouldn't be looking back to, and reminding ourselves of it because God has chosen to not use it against us. So we talked about last week, um, coming up next week, we're going to talk about how does God take our past, past regrets, sins, whatever, you want to, you know, whatever those things are, and use them for good, for our good, for other people's good, 
We're going to talk about that next week, so you want to be here for that. And then today what we want to do is, <clears throat> once you're freed, so once you've placed your faith in Christ, and you're freed from sin, you're freed from the consequences of sin, which is an eternity in hell, you're also freed from sin's earthly control in your life. How do you live in that freedom? Because as Christians, and as a pastor, I hear this a lot from people, and in my own life I've had to work through these things, that we, our regrets and our past sins, our past decisions, the consequences of those things, sometimes just keep coming up in our minds, and we can't seem to live free of them. They're always there, dragging us down, discouraging us, frustrating us. And so how do we live free in that way? How do we live free from those things? So the first thing we want to talk about today is, I was talking to Hagen, I said I felt like bringing a, you know, a chair up here and a little end table and another chair, and I'll sit, I'd sit here, maybe we'll do this next week, I'd sit here and you guys all kind of envision yourselves sitting in that chair, we'll have a little counseling session this morning. Um, or maybe we should call it life coaching, right? We can, that's kind of the new phrase nowadays. But uh, we're going to look at two things. The first is the fact that once you've placed your faith in Christ, the battle to live free is a battle of your mind. Okay? It really comes down to what is it that we're thinking about? What is it that we're dwelling on? And so that's what I want to talk about today. So the battle, first of all, the battle comes from our minds. What we dwell on, how we think about past, our past impacts today. Um, what is it that we um, go over in our minds over and over and over again? When we look back on our past, what is it that we constantly dwell on and think about? When we do that, there's a, there's a technical word for that. It's called meditation. And so all of us, we all meditate, okay? Um, we all meditate in the sense that we all have thoughts that are repeatedly going on in our minds about circumstances, about ourselves, um, how we view ourselves, how we view ourselves in respect to the difficult situations we're going through, how we see ourselves in respect to other people, how we see ourselves in respect to who God is. And so meditation just means dwelling on something or thinking about something over and over again. There's um, bad meditation, and bad meditation, or wrong meditation, or meditation that doesn't help us, is meditation that focusing on, focuses on wrong things. So you've heard of uh, transcendental meditation, which by the way is very difficult for a person with speech impediment, like myself. I have been working on that word, transcendental meditation. Um, it's, it's focusing there, it's, it's focusing you know, on a candle, it's it's emptying your mind and focusing on a candle. Maybe there's a chanting that goes with that. And this idea of just, I'm going to think on nothing in order to find relief from stress. Uh, dangerous practice. Okay? There's, um, today, all this self-help stuff is, it's constantly tell yourself how good you are and how strong you are in order to have this you know, more positive self-image or self-love, which... Again, very dangerous thing to be doing. There's good meditation, and that good meditation is when we um, allow God's Word, the truths about who God is, the truths about the promises that He gives us, uh, the truths about how if we do life His way, 
those promises can become ours and, and we can operate that way. And so we all have uh, the ability to meditate. It's just what are we going to choose to meditate on? I was going to say something, but I'll wait till later. To put it another way, um, we're all good at practicing. So we, can, we practice very well. And what we practice, and how we practice, um, we, we get good at. So I didn't do much sports growing up, um, only because my, my parents didn't think, I, I lived in a pretty legalistic home, and so it's going to blow some of your minds, but um, Christians didn't play sports. Uh, it was what we were told, at least not organized sports. And so we didn't get to play sports. Uh, but I do know some things about sports and about practices and that kind of stuff. Uh, we got into weightlifting, and so this idea of technique, if you're playing the piano, there's a certain technique, right? If you're playing another instrument, there's a certain technique. If you're playing a, a sport, there's technique to it. If you're lifting weights, there's technique to it. And so the, the important thing when you're first learning how to do something is to make sure you have proper technique. If you had poor technique when you're lifting weights, and you continue to do that, what's happening is your muscles are not forming correctly, and if you do start using some heavier weights, you're going to have injuries because your technique was wrong. What you did over and over and over and over again was wrong, and it's dangerous, it's hurtful, it's painful. And, and same thing with sports. You won't be as effective in your, in your sport that you, or the music that you want to, to play. And so we get the idea, right, that when we... What we practice, we become good at. And if we, we, if we uh, yeah, coffee, please. Um, well, when we practice a poor technique, what we get out of it is poor results. But when we practice the right technique, then we get the right results. And we can not only get the right results, but then we can expand on that. And we become better at whatever the thing is we're working. It's the same thing when it comes to our thinking. If we focus on wrong things, if we use the wrong technique, then what's going to happen is we're going to think wrong. Wrong, wrongly. Which is it? Wrongly or wrong? Anybody? English people? Incorrectly. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes. Why didn't you? I should have just texted you earlier said I'm struggling. Wrong or wrongly? Incorrectly. We'll think incorrectly. There you go. And our results will be terrible. But if we think correctly, then, and practice that, we'll be able to grow and expand that. Paul talks about this in Philippians. He says this, and some of this is probably very familiar to some of you guys. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is a good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. And so Paul's talking here, if you highlighted some of these words to kind of help us catch them a little bit better. Paul is talking about what are the things that we need to be doing repeatedly. 
What do we need to constantly be doing? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. And so, anxious praying brings anxiety to our lives. Anybody ever, you don't have to raise your hand, but anybody ever um, pray with anxious prayer? I have. It looks like this. Oh, Heavenly Father, please, you know, uh, forgive me for what I did, and, and Lord, forgive me, and, I, and Lord, help me with this, and help me with this situation, and you know how bad the situation is, and you know, and just, you know, God, just, you know, I, I need some help in this situation again. Lord, and it's this <laughs> anxiety. But if we come with the right type of prayer, it brings, according to these verses, it brings peace to our lives. What does that prayer look like? The prayer that does that is, Lord, thank you for whatever circumstances I'm coming to you for. You know what I need. Meet my needs, but thank you for that because I know that you're using that situation to draw me closer to you. You're using that situation to make me more like Christ. You're using that situation in order to draw other people to Christ through me. Lord, thank you. And thank you for whatever and however you're going to meet my needs. Doesn't that just sound better? It really is better. It causes us, where's our focus? Not on the situation, it's on the God who's going to meet that situation. Meet the needs of that situation. So, he talks about dwelling on God and on His truths. That list there that Paul, you know, I rattled through, but it's, it's a, a list of truths about who God is and what His Word is in our lives. And so if we dwell on that, it's an ongoing, constantly thinking on these things, on His promises, practicing these things. It means to repeatedly do something. And if we do that, if we practice these things, if we pray, we dwell, it brings God's peace. It brings God's peace as we think about our past. And so we don't have to dwell on the past. We don't have to have those regrets continually sucking us down and discouraging us. So that's the battle that's in our mind. That's, that's, um, that's our part in this process of living free. We're going to have a battle on our hands. So how, does, how can we be confident that God's way is the way that will free us from our regrets? We're going to look at several passages this morning. So I, I put them in there. I didn't actually put the exact verses in there. You have to kind of look those up for yourself. But it'll be up on the screen. So freedom, so the battle comes from our mind. The freedom comes from God. And here's the key thing. As I said before, when, when, when we came to God for salvation, when we asked God to forgive us of our sins, and He said, you're forgiven. He justified us. He declared us not guilty for our sins. Two things happened. Two very important things happened. One, we were... Uh, freed from the consequences of our sin. In other words, we are freed from when we die physically of having to go to hell to pay for our sin, for the judgment of our sin. The second thing that happened is we are freed from the sin's control in our life. It's still there because we're in this fleshly body, but the control is no longer there 
but the control, um, the ability to control, the ability to not do it comes from God. Just like salvation came from God, so does living free from our sin, the control of sin in our lives, come from God. And so the first that we see is this. Out of 1 Corinthians, Paul talking, he says, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised, evaluated. That word means appraised, evaluated. But he who is spiritual appraises or evaluates, understands all things. Yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we, this is key, we have the mind of Christ. So the first thing that God does in our lives, by the way, the first truth that we need to repeatedly tell ourselves as we're thinking about our life and as we struggle with sin and as we struggle with our past, the first truth that we need to constantly remind ourselves, and by the way, there's hundreds of truths. I'm just giving you four today is that God's given us the mind of Christ. Think about that. If you've placed your faith in Christ, God's given you the mind of Christ. Not that you become Christ. I don't want anybody walking out of here going, yeah, I'm Jesus. (laughs) Please don't do that. Yeah, pastor said, I'm Jesus. I didn't say that. But we've been given the mind of Christ. What's that mean? Well, he says the natural man, the person who has not placed their faith in Christ, who has not been forgiven, who does not have the Holy Spirit in their life, they don't understand spiritual things. And they think it's actually foolish. Okay, what? You're going to talk to God that you can't see? What? You're going to read a book that, you know, that you're going to somehow pull out of that book some ways to live life? And that's a good They're going to think it's foolish. But the spiritual man, the spiritual man is not some super Christian, somebody who walks around with a you know, big C on his chest. I'm a super Christian. It's anybody who has placed their faith in Christ. Because anybody who has placed their faith in Christ, their sins are forgiven, and God says His Holy Spirit now lives in you, and God's Holy Spirit gives us spiritual life. So now we are spiritual people. And we are able to spiritually appraise things. We are able to evaluate things in a spiritual way. We're able to look at our lives and look at whatever's going on in our lives, whether it's past, present, or future, and we can say, okay, I can understand this, God's from God's direction. I can go to the, to the Bible. I can read the Bible. The Holy Spirit's going to teach me. And then I can respond as I need to respond. And I can understand how I need to understand because God has given me that ability through my relationship with Christ. This is who has instructed. Who has instructed Him? In other words, you can go back. So who, who has instructed him? He goes back to Isaiah. And God's asking this question of Israel. Who of you can tell me anything? God's saying. Which makes sense, right? He's all-knowing and all-powerful. And, right? He says, we Christians, we have the mind of Christ. Here's the problem. Too often as Christians, we try to instruct God. So God says, hey, you've accepted Christ? Yes. You've placed your faith in Christ. Yes. You've asked me to forgive you. Yes. You know I've forgiven you. Past, present, and future, right? No. No, I don't think you have. No, I'm still thinking about my past and what happened in my past and the consequences of the past. And, and, and that's why, God, you don't, 
I know you say you forgive me, but that's us trying to instruct God. We can't instruct God. Or God says, hey, listen, here's the things you need to do. The changing of thinking that we're going to be talking about here in a bit. Here's the changing of thinking you need to have, and here's how you do that, and then here's how you respond to that. And then we go, you know, God, it's just a little too much for me. That's a little bit too much time in the Bible. I don't have that kind of time in my life. I've got hobbies I've got to do. I've got events I need to be a part of. I've got groups I need to be a part of. i just got way too much stuff on my plate. That's us instructing God. And when we do that, we're acting like natural people, people who are not saved. And we're telling God, basically, it's foolish. And it's Christians who think that way who are the ones who are struggling with their past, struggling with moving forward, struggling with becoming all that God wants to be or do in their lives. So if we've been given the mind of Christ, why do we struggle? Well, as I said before, we live in these fleshly bodies and fleshly thinking, and so we think oftentimes that we know better than God, and so there's a battle going on. So God does a second thing, which is a second truth we need to repeatedly tell ourselves, and it's found in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, we talked about that last week, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, thinking like it's foolish, the, the natural person, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So the second truth that we know about God is that he's the one who's going to renew our thinking. Pretty cool, right? So we don't have to renew our own thinking. We just need to be in a place where we allow God to renew our thinking. So, you know, he says a bunch of cool stuff here. Living a, uh, living, a living and holy sacrifice. When we give ourselves to Christ, when we place our faith in Christ and we become a child of God, um, we become a, a, a holy living sacrifice. What's that mean? Well, if, not that we do sacrifices, which is good because Jesus took our sacrifice, but if we did, it would be laying something up on an altar and killing it. So that, that thing, animal, in Old Testament times, couldn't move. Couldn't do anything. It's dead. When we come to God for salvation, we are also saying, my life is yours. I'm dying to how I think I should do. Like Guys, this is huge stuff to grab hold of. Because every one of us here this morning, every one of us, we are so good at thinking we know better than God. We are so prideful. It's amazing. Yeah. I don't think that's really what we need to be doing. And so we... We need to die to ourselves. We die to the way we think, the way we evaluate things, the way we perceive things, the way we respond to things. We say, I'm not going to do it that way anymore. I'm not going to do it my way anymore. It's a sacrifice. And he says, it's a spiritual service of worship. Worship, we all worship. We all meditate, we all worship. We all worship something. We're made. We were designed by God to worship. So we're going to worship something. 
And worshiping something is anything that we put above ourselves. Anything that we say is more important than us. And so sometimes we put money as that's what we're shooting for. That's what we exalt. That's what we say we need. That's what we need to be about. That's what's going to bring us happiness. You know, however you want to phrase worship. And so money can be that. Prestige could be that. You know, a title could be that. Um, you know, a certain job could be that. A relationship could be that. I mean, there's, our hobbies could be that. Um, you know, whatever. We could do, there's a lot of things. Ultimately, what we're, what we're doing is saying we're, we know better than God, so therefore we're really worshiping ourselves. So either we worship ourselves or we worship God. Either we exalt ourselves or we exalt God. And how we do that in our lives is, again, going back to how we think, do I trust how I think or do I trust how God thinks? Do I trust, do I exalt how I think I should respond or do I trust and exalt how God says to respond? So it's part of the sacrificial side of things, right? And then he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Those two words, renewed means renovate. So it means to um, dismantle the old. Some of you ladies were over at our house yesterday and you saw that there's some renewing going on in the house finally. Um, we, we took out the old and now we're putting in the new. And so in our minds, we need to throw out the old and we need to have the new brought in. It's a passive verb, meaning it's something that's done to us. It's something that God does to us. God needs to renew our thinking. And then, transformed means that we get the word metamorphosis from this. It's a change. The change that happens is passive. God transforms our lives. How does He do that? The Holy Spirit and God's Word. And as we read it, and as the Holy Spirit teaches us, we realize, I'm not thinking right. But here's the battle. I'm not thinking right. God's Word is different than what I'm thinking. Time out here. If you get a chance, Pastor Kevin is taking this, uh, not this passage, but he's taking this Sunday, and he's coming at this whole thing of regret from a different angle. Than, than what I'm doing. And I just encourage you, when you get home, get up on ohiograce.com, and hopefully it's up already, or maybe it's on Facebook. Um, but listen to his take on this. Um, really, uh, really good stuff. Um, anyways, I won't steal his thunder, but it's, it's good stuff. So, um, I lost, lost my track, train of thinking. So, God transforms our lives. God changes how we think by being in His Word, and when we, see, when we see that our thinking is different than God's thinking, then we need to say, okay, I'm wrong. We have a lot of people who believe in a, a certain kind of God. The problem is, it's not the, and Christians too, by the way, it's not the same God that's in the Bible. And so when God, God's Word says something than what we think that God is, then we need to figure out and make sure we understand what the Bible is saying and then change our thinking on it and our response to life because of it. And then we'll know the will of God, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. God's way of thinking and of responding is always the best way. It's good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. It's the right way to do it. In spite of what we think, in spite of what we feel, 
in spite of the fear that keeps us from actually doing it, we need to say, God, thank you for that fear. I ask you to remove it, and thank you for what I'm going to learn about you when I take the step of faith, because I don't know what is going to respond, but I trust you. You're a good God. You're a righteous God. So he renews our mind. Third, another truth that we need to keep repeating. We need to trust him by using the weapons he gives us. So we talk about this in kind of a battle mindset, right? Second Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking thought, every thought, captive in obedience to Christ. Memorize that. All these should be memorizing. Memorize that. That is awesome. Right there. Now Paul's talking about this in, in context of having to deal with people in the church who are not doing life God's way. And so he even knows if I'm dealing with people, it's a spiritual battle. And so I need to come at it from a spiritual standpoint. But this goes the same if we're battling our own minds, right? It's still flesh, it's still sin, it's still we thinking we know better than God. And so we, knew, we need to use the weapons that he's given us. And so he talks about these things. Divinely powerful. These weapons are divinely powerful. These weapons are from God. And if God is infinite, infinitely powerful, infinitely knowledgeable, then the weapons we have are infinitely powerful, infinitely knowledgeable, can deal with whatever it is we're going through can deal with everything we're going through. Man, do we trust that? How many of you just thought to yourself, yeah, yeah, but everything that we're going through. Why? Because it's from God. Divinely powerful. God's Holy Spirit is in us. God's Word is right in front of us. And we can take His Word and changes our thinking as it changes our thinking, we rely on Him and our, the way we live changes. How we respond changes. He talks about uh, fortresses. Destruction of fortresses. That's things that we build up and our barriers that we set up to God. He talks about speculations. Here's the fortresses. Speculations. Um, lofty things that are raised up against the knowledge of God. And every thought that takes... Speculations are evaluations. Computations. It's our rationalizing of things. It's our thinking about, well, here's the situation that I was in or going to be in or whatever. And this is how I see this playing out. Here's the problem. We don't know enough. We don't know all the bits and pieces and details to be able to know for sure how we should respond. Even if that response seems, yeah, no, it seems really wise. It may not be the wisest. Why? Because we don't know the ripple effect. God knows the ripple effect. God knows every um, choice that we could make, not just the ones we do make, he can, every choice we could make, and the, the ripple effect, the consequences of every choice we could make. And so he knows better than how we should respond than we do. But we speculate. Yeah. You know, pastor, I don't know. 
Uh, you know, the Bible says I'm supposed to sacrifice for my wife. Yeah, you know, I've been thinking about that. No, stop! If you, if you say you've been thinking about that, stop, please. I beg of you, stop. For the sake of your marriage, stop. Unless you're going to say, I've been thinking about that, and yeah, you're right. I haven't sacrificed for my wife. But what I hear a lot of times, either from the husband or the wife, is the wife, the husband says, you don't know, man, I mean, if, if God's okay with me, not sacrifice, because he knows my wife. Or from the wife's side, you know, God knows I don't need to respect him because he knows the kind of husband I have. That's us speculating. That's us, us kind of figuring things out. That's us telling God, let me tell you how my marriage is supposed to be. The God, the God who designed marriage, by the way. And it goes with all areas of our lives. Lofty things. It's anything that we rise up higher than God's word and God's thoughts. And so we, the rise up against the knowledge of God, what we know about God, like it was said before, God says, I've forgiven your sins, and we're like, eh, I don't think you have. God says, I can give you help in this area, and I can, if you just do this, I'm not sure if that's the way I want to go with that. And every thought, taking every thought captive, that's human intellect again. And we take it captive in obedience to Christ. And then the last one, is this, again, a truth that we need to be practicing, and that's this, that God has given us our example. This is awesome. I mentioned this last week. It says this, And Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. We won't ever be tempted by the devil. We're going to be tempted by our own flesh. Okay? And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, tired, weary, hungry, he then became hungry. Well, listen, I fast for an hour, I'm hungry. It's not going to be 40 days and 40 nights before I'm hungry. Oh, my word. Like a chair starts looking like a big old, you know, something, hamburger. You know, I mean, it's amazing. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man should not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to a holy city and, and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you. Satan brings the Bible in. Ding, 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 ding. Right? A little sword fight going on. God's Word is, is a sword, double-edged sword. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Someone's following me. Moving on. Jesus said to him, On the other hand, Ding, ding. It is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him. And then the angels came and began to minister to him. Isn't that? It was so simple that I, for years I missed that point. The overriding point there, and there's a lot of stuff in there, but the overriding point is this. When Jesus was tempted by Satan to accomplish God's will for his life some other way than God's way, Jesus said, no, 
And here's what God says about it and use Scripture against the temptation. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be using Scripture with the power of the Holy Spirit. It has to be accurate, unlike what Satan was doing, throwing out some, you know, taking Scripture out of context. And we need to be knowing what it truly means and then using Scripture against our temptations, against our wrong thinking, against the desire to do things that are not God's way. And again, this applies all the way to this regrets of our past as well as today and in our future. You'll never know God's freedom unless you know God's Word and God's way. You'll never know freedom in your life unless we know God's Word and apply it so what's our takeaway? I'm going to kind of shift gears here a little bit. We've been talking about a battle. And so I'm going to shift gears. I want to talk a little bit really quickly as we close. Um, shift your mind to uh, health issues. Okay? You with me? So uh, the first, first takeaway is, I'll throw it up there first. Let you let it simmer. Treat your spiritual issue as you would your physical issues. What do I, what do I mean by that? I have high blood pressure. Uh, none of you have given me that, by the way. It's just uh, it's an inherited thing. Um, okay, that's supposed to be a joke. It, um, no, you guys definitely don't give me high blood pressure. So I have high blood pressure. It's, it's part of the curse. Okay, It's just part of living on this earth. My body isn't perfect. I know, surprising. It's not perfect. And so I have high blood pressure. It's something I have to live with. But it's something I can manage. And so what do I do? I, I go to the doctor. The doctor says, here's some blood pressure medicine. And I'll, hey, by the way, eat right and exercise. <laughs> I'm like, doctor, you, actually, you should be on the road, man. You're a comedian. Because <laughs> I don't want to exercise and eat right. So let's just say I do that. Let's just say I follow his prescription and I take the medicine and I, and I exercise a little bit and then I also start eating better. And my blood pressure goes down, but it doesn't go down far enough. What should I do? Somebody just, what, what, would I, what should I do? Exercise more? Eat better? Find out a better food than just straight pizza, right? Yeah? I mean, pizza's got all the food groups in it. And then what else? Okay, stop being so spiritual. What else? Take more medicine, right? That's what my doctor told me. Anyways, he said, here, take an extra pill. <laughs> so we found out some better food to eat that I didn't have to take that pill. But whatever the case is. Now, so set that to the side. A person who's, uh, who is born blind or uh, becomes blind or deaf or loses a limb, either born without one or uh, loses one, again, in a sense, part of the curse part of the world we live in, the sin that we live in, accidents happen, birth defects happen, you know, that kind of thing. But what does that person do with that physical challenge? That They find ways to manage with it, to, to overcome whatever challenges they have using prosthetics or you, their other uh, senses are heightened. 
And, and the more they do that, the, the more uh, you know, efficient they become. And there's some people who are running marathons now because they've the prosthetics that they have now, those bent, you know, I'm not even sure what they're made out of, but um, it's some big word I know. But anyways, point is that they do something. It's still there. The issue is still there, but they learn to manage it. But here's what happens with Christians. And I'm not saying everybody, but you know, this is what happens with a lot of Christians. They have an issue in their life, a sin they're struggling with, a regret they can't forget, a circumstance they're doing. They, they, it's just they can't seem to get over it. They can't seem to find victory in it. They can't seem to live free of it. So they come into my office and say, Pastor, heal me. <laughs> Help me. And I'm like, okay, so let me... Um, let me give you what, I, what God's Word says. It's a battle of your mind. It's a perspective problem. You've been living that way for so long, you can't, get, you can't seem to get out of it. So we need to do some drastic things. We need, we need to get you some spiritual medicine. If they're not a believer, I challenge them. You need to give your life to Christ and get God's Holy Spirit in your life so you understand His Word. And you, you look to Him to give you the strength that you need to... Get through whatever you're getting through. Change your thinking. And then you need to eat right. You need to be in the Word and studying it and reading it and memorizing it and meditating on it and taking advantage of what we do here at the church on Sunday mornings and Thursday nights and other times we get together. We, you need to do that. You need to exercise. You need to serve people. You need to get your mind off yourself and onto other people and serve them. And we do that here at our church. And you need to share your faith. You need to tell people what's going on in your life what God's doing in your life. And this is what I get from those who struggle. Yeah, Pastor. Yeah, that, no, I am. No, I, yeah, no. I, I get what you... What is it? Yeah, no. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. I get what you're saying, but I, I, you know, I don't have time. You know, I can't do all that. I, I, you know, I work and family and hobbies and you know, other stuff going on. I just... Okay. That's all I got? Because if you can't, if you can't believe that the all-powerful, all-knowing, infinite God of the universe who died on the cross for your sins so you wouldn't have to go to hell, if you believe His way can't help you live free, then I got nothing for you. The only reason I know this to be true is because it's happened in my life. Um, well, somebody, well, you know, I tried that, Pastor. I, I spent a couple days this week reading in a couple verses. Okay, that's one pill. I take, I take two different kinds of blood pressure medicine. Two in the morning and one at night. Why? Because my blood pressure is that bad. <laughs> Listen, we're not that good. And so if you're struggling to the extent that you're struggling, you need that much of God's Word. You don't need your hobby. You don't need your overtime. You don't, you don't need... Whatever, you know, 
It's other things that doctors will tell you you need. Now, I'm not saying if you've got depression, anxiety, the doctor says, you know, take some meds. Okay, but don't leave it there because it's a wrong thinking that you have. It's just, and you're, you have that issue because we live in a fallen world. It's not that you're somehow strange or weird or worse than anybody else. A person who thinks really good of themselves, that's a problem. And so people who are depressed, who don't think so much of themselves and everything's bad, that's a problem. Arrogance is just as bad, right? You still make stupid choices when you're an arrogant person as you do when you're a depressed person. And I can say it because I deal with depression. But I manage it. How? I pour time into God's Word and I just I memorize it and I meditate it and I think about it. And when I, start, when I start going down a wrong way of thinking that I know will take me to not just depression but making stupid choices and responding wrong, incorrectly, <laughs> I, I've got myself trained now, or I should say God has me trained because all the times I've screwed up, He's got me trained now that as soon as my mind starts going down there, God's Spirit throws Bible verses into my head. And I start saying those Bible verses. And if I'm laying in bed, I start praying. I start saying Bible verses until I fall back to sleep. It's okay to fall asleep on God. He's fine with it. Not in the worship service. Just... <laughs> but at night, right? Sorry, I'm going way over. Two, commit to God's prescription. We need to be in the Bible. We need to be in prayer. We need to be connecting with other believers. We need to be serving. We need to be sharing. You know, I think we're going to cut the song. Caleb, where are you at? Let's cut the song because I'm going, I'm going long. Let me just finish with this. So I told you, you know, I've kind of worked through stuff in my own life. I put together a thing called uh, Steps of Freedom. It's just something I call it. Um, and it's it's some things that I put together as I study through Scripture and as I interacted with my own self and God and said, okay, help me understand what's going on here. And I put together some real basic steps, some things to do in response to whatever we're struggling with. Negative thinking, wrong thinking, depressive thinking, anxious thinking, sins that we can't seem to get rid of, anger, you know, whatever the issue is. Because again, we're all fallen, we're all, we're all screwed up, we're all dealing with something. So I call it Steps of Freedom. Here's what I'm offering. I'll go through this with any of you any time. But uh, Fuse is here tonight at 5. So the, the high school, middle school kids are going to be here at 5. So I'm going to be here at 5. All right? And if you want to work through that Steps of Freedom, if one person shows up, 50 people show up. We'll just have to kick the Fuse kids to some other part of the building. But um, if you want to go through that, I'm offering to do that. It'll take about an hour of our time. And again, if one person shows up, I'll walk through it with them. If more, we'll just get together as a group and I'll walk you through those things. Some real basic um, how-tos, things to do to help you move forward, to be free, live free of past regrets, sins that are besetting and kind of in and uh, messing you up and struggling that you're struggling with. Okay? Five o'clock today. I'll make sure to go home and take my nap. And uh, be fresh and ready to go um, at 5 o'clock. Does that sound good? All right. I apologize for, I'm way over. Let me stand and let me pray and let you.